Good evening. Um, four blades having a groan tonight, I think, um, rather than in a pub. We're on Zoom. We'd always plan to get together to try to uh, put some people into that World Cup squad, which will be done one day. Microwave in my kitchen's just finished there. You can just hear, but I'm John. Um, and in a bit of a bad mood, and I'm joined by Ian. Good evening. Good evening. Dan. Good evening. And Phil. Hello. Ever positive, but he has just finished a slice of cheese on toast, and who isn't in a good mood after cheese on toast? So, been an interesting few weeks, as always, being a blade, microwave going again, and... Um, Looks like Illiman and Jai is going after months, it seems, an eternity speculation and to and fro in. Ian? Well, where do we start? I think let's, maybe we just should just um, preface tonight's pod in that I think we're going to talk a lot tonight. I'm going to have, I think we're going to have some, some different opinions amongst the, the four of us. I think we're going to really pick up on some issues that we've raised before around communications with the club. And I think it's worth just saying to start with, because I've put things on Twitter tonight I mean, and been challenged on it. This isn't about individuals. This is about how the club is choosing to break this news to the fans officially and about how that, to my mind, and I'm, we'll get into a debate about this later, isn't the right way for a club of united stature to be communicating with the fan base. And I think it's worth just setting that out up front. I don't know if Phil or Dan, you want to add anything to that, but for me, that that's just worth putting up front tonight. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I made the point before, um, before we came on when we had the, the kind of chat before that, the prince has obviously he's chosen his his conduits to to get um to get his, his message out and 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 use them as as his his way of getting information out to the fans um but he's it almost feels like the 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 people he's he's using um and, and obviously you know we we know what they are it's, you know he, Darren Smith and and the lads at the Sheffield United way um it kind of feels almost, almost as though they've they've been played a bit, and they're now his his propaganda machine. So if you remember, if you remember when McCabe was in charge, when everything went to shit, when we got relegated or we sold players, he would disappear for ages, and then he would come on Radio Sheffield and do a very heavily, very heavily not censored, but a very heavily um, kind of weighted in his favour Q and A. No one would hold him to ta- hold him to account. He would never be taken to task, and that was it. And it almost feels like because the prince has given the, like I said, the, the the two guys we were talking about before such unprecedented access that they're not going to hold it. Quite rightly, they're probably not going to take him to task, and and you know he's he's possibly going to get off a bit lighter than he should. Um, you know, I, I absolutely I can't blame him. You know, he's given them access that no other no other content creator at the club uh, within within the fan base gets. And fair play to them, they do you know they do a good job at what they do. But at the minute, with what's happening with the transfer embargo, with Njai being sold, with players running contracts down, with you know no money, sales falling through left, right, and centre, he needs his feet holding to the flame for, by someone who's going to actually interview him and actually say, right, what is happening here? What what is happening within the club? Why are these things happening? What's the long term plan? And he's not doing that because he's cut off all access with local media, and he communicates, like I said, through through Darren Smith and through. Um, Hal and Nick at Sheffield United way. And it just, I don't know, it just, it doesn't seem right to me. It doesn't sit right, does it? It doesn't sit no. right with me. We we debated this a couple of weeks ago about the communication around the club. And, and I probably was the one that disagreed against the three of you in terms of there's some things I'm not sure we need to be told. I'm not sure the club need to communicate it. But for to have somebody, and, and we're talking about Darren Smith, essentially confirm the sale of the best player we've had in a lot of Sheffield United fans' lifetime on Twitter, that can't be right. That It just doesn't feel right. And that that's not a dig at Darren, because 
Darren's been put in a position now where people are expecting him to give information out. And he, if it's almost like there's an obligation there to do it. But to be in this situation now where you've got people who are just essentially fans of the club that have got a connection through one way or another, be that through working for somebody there or through other channels that they've become friends or close to, to the Prince or other people high up at the club. That's not how we should be finding this stuff out. It, it just doesn't sit right. It doesn't sit right with, with me, and I'm sure you all agree. So, someone posed a question to me earlier. Aren't you grateful for what Darren does and, and how he communicates and what he shares? Because other clubs don't have that. And my answer to it was, this isn't anything against Darren, but there's a reason other clubs don't do it that way. And it it fundamentally shows a leadership of the club who have got a complete lack of trust in local media, for whatever reason, be it the Star, be it Radio Sheffield, be it um, the Examiner. And it it's just not the right way to do it. There's a reason other clubs aren't, aren't communicating in this way and maybe we hear more than we we would being at another club I don't think coming back to your point Phil I think sometimes you just want to hear a sense of direction because I think there's interesting questions we've we've asked amongst ourselves and was on various whatsapp groups tonight about what are the prince's real intentions does he really want to sell genuine question does he really want to sell because the due diligence we've done on two potential buyers seems to be non-existent. They've fallen through, you get deposits, you move on, and you have a club that bounces between divisions, probably ticks over quite nicely with parachute money once stabilised. I don't know. I, I just I just don't have much confidence. In, I have confidence in the manager, and I have confidence he'll do the best with what he's got, but I'm, just, I'm lacking any sort of confidence in, in the strategic direction of the club at the minute. And I and I know, look and I understand the finances are screwed. And we one, have thing, to sell. one thing I will say about the situation that's arisen today, the, the likely imminent sale of Elimin and Jai. I'm not sure now the situation we've been in since we got promoted, we could have done anything to stop what's happened today. Really, it, it appeared he didn't want to sign a new deal. There was only ever one club that he really wanted to go to. And if they've they've met our financial demands for, for a fee for him, it's probably the right thing to do, despite the fact that we're massively weakening ourselves for next season. And for that, I'm not having a go at the Prince for selling him today. For the news today, if selling an Elimin and Jai is what's happened, I'm not having a go at the Prince for that today. The problems, the long-term planning of being in this situation now today. And Jai should have got a contract. There was issues within Jai's contract when Wilder was the manager, which is why he, apparently why he wasn't in the first team, which is why yeah. he was not played. And when Wilder went and Heckingbottom came in, that got resolved. There was talk about he could have gone to Barnsley at that point, all this sort of stuff. So there was there was clearly issues around Njai at that point. To me, it feels like we've been short-sighted around a player that's as potential, potentially good as what Njai must have been then and has clearly proven to be. And it's that long-term planning, which is why we're in this situation now with Njai. We're going to be in the situation with Berger. And let's be honest, three-quarters of the squad this time next year. Like I said earlier on the group, there's not obviously going to be the same interest in a lot of these players. But I think I've got a feeling Egan's one of the ones that's out of contract to the end of this this coming season. It's going to be my not, next point. Dan. Not telling me people won't be looking at that and going, John Egan on a free transfer. Yeah, we'll have that. Great. But Most like you were saying, Phil, but Njai was identified two, three years ago when, he first, when he, his first name was first mentioned. And there was an article, I can't remember what it was, and it said he's regarded as... You know, the best thing to come out of the youth academy in however long, and is regarded as a better prospect than David Brooks, who we sold for big money. And obviously, without you know, without the, uh, the, the obviously the terrible illnesses, I would have probably kicked on. So, why I don't understand why we've not been talking to him about a contract. Why weren't we talking to him about a contract at the halfway point of last season? Do you know what we may, we may well have been, and this may all come out, we may have been offering him a contract for the last 18 months and he's just not signed them, but there was no talk 
last December or so of Sheffield United preparing to offer Ilman and Jay a contract, partly because we couldn't afford to offer, to offer him a contract because we're in such a shit state financially, which was obviously proven by the fact that we were in a transfer embargo and if we hadn't gone up, then it doesn't bear thinking about where we'd be. And again, yeah. like when Wilder was here, he always talked about short, medium, long-term plan. You know, bring you know you bring a, you bring a player on loan. They're a short-term plan to get you through to the next window or to to get you over the uh, you know over over the line. There doesn't seem to be anything medium and long-term based in terms of our current strategy and planning at the minute. That might change with the, with the recruitment we're doing at the minute. Which fair play, we're buying it. We're bringing in young players for low transfer fees who can either kick on or we can sell on and a low risk. That might be a, a, a kind of seed change now we're doing it. But for certainly for the last two or three years, there has been no long-term plan or even medium-term plan for that for that matter. Realistically, Illiman and Jai has been sold. Now, Danny Hall in a tweet said, oh, it's more money than uh, has been reported in France, which was about 13, 14 million quid, if you trans- 14.6 is what they're saying. 14.6 with... with- other incentives, twenty percent sell on is, is bits and bobs. But again, but it, you don't know what to believe. But if you, but even if you say it's, you know, not even twenty percent higher than that, that's still less than we paid for Brewster or McBurney, our most talented player that I've seen in the United shirt. I kind, I kind of find that a little bit irrelevant though. In the fees, the fee, it's the situation that we're in now, which is why the fee is what no, it is. No, my, my point is though. The fee is you're right, yeah, the fee's the fee. Didn't see any sign of him not being bothered yesterday, playing the day before. You know, this has been bubbling under for weeks. Contributed fully in the match yesterday, put himself about, could have got injured, could have been all off within it with well, a I think, I think that's tackle yesterday. But 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 the point being is for fifteen million quid, and this is a debating point, is fifteen million quid worth it to put Two or three squad players in, because you aren't getting first many first teamers for that, or yeah, or but... or is it? Or he's keeping him and letting him go at the end of next season with a chance of staying up for another season, potentially. And, and look, I'm not saying we would, but we'd have a better chance with him than without him. I think there's more to it than that. I think the, the report's been going around for a while, isn't it? That he'd agreed fees. When it says he's agreed a fee, it's not him. It's his. No, it's his, 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 his agent. So whoever whoever he's got behind him, who. Referring back to what I said earlier, when Wilder couldn't play him or wouldn't play him because of contract issues, there's clearly some sort of needle there in terms of his agent, I would think. Illiman and Jai doesn't strike me as the sort of person that would push for a move and wouldn't have his head turned in that way. However, if we'd have just blocked this, bearing in mind the reports are we've agreed he's agreed what his salary is going to be. His agents have agreed what his yeah. salaries are going to be at Marseille two or three weeks ago. And up until yesterday, it, what Darren Smith said today, there'd have been no bid. Today there's been a bid and things have moved forward very, very quickly. I, I'm not sure we could do anything at that point to stop it. I'm not sure we can as a club, not only from, a point, a financial point of view, in terms of this time next year, he can walk away for nothing. We could stay up because of him. We could also go down with, with him in the squad. But also, from his point of view, to block that bid now, to block that move now, I'm not sure we could. I'm not sure we could do it. The situation's been caused by stuff that happened 18 months, two years ago, not what's happened today, in my opinion. And I don't think we could do anything to stop it happening. But- isn't now isn't the frustration though this is sort of like this is what what we this is like the point we've come to and like this this just shows up all the things that like we've all we all probably agree on about lack of long-term planning and stuff how lack of long-term planning is dangerous but actually if you don't plan correctly with your actual prize assets it's just a it's financially irresponsible and reckless. Like you, 
I can't, and I was trying to do this, and somebody will point it out, but I cannot think of another club in recent memory who've got promoted and their star player has left at a cut price because he did not even manage to get him under contract when he was, for two seasons, one of the best players in the division below. Yeah. It's 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 staggered. Like, look, like Norwich, a lot of these players didn't amount to anything, but when Norwich were to and fro with us, Aaron's Cantwell, um, and Norwich have okay. got pardon. Okay, uh, all, I, I think all... it, I think it's a different situation, John. I think he could have got Njai could have gone in January. He could have gone for more money, I would suspect, and probably earn more money. It's the fact it's Marseille, and for whatever reason, obviously he's he's a he's a Marseille fan, despite the fact he's not from that area. He's a Marseille fan. Had it not have been Marseille, we wouldn't be in this situation now. And clearly, he's got advisors working for him that have pushed that and lent on that. And that's why we're in the situation. The issue, like you say, we've gone up and we've gone down. We've we've spent a lot of money. The issue stems further back than today. It really does. I'd love to know what the contingency plan was, though. And that's the other thing about long-term planning. We might find that out now. We might. We might, we might, we might not. Let's see. Oh. But this is another thing. We were signing to Anzabi yesterday afternoon, and now we're getting a lad from Arsenal who, who actually probably is a better prospect with a better injury record. But that's not the... Like, I don't think there is a coherent plan with any of the recruitment. I think it's I think it's scattergun at best. And we've got, a, we've got an incredibly weak squad without depth, and we've just removed our best... The best player's been removed, and we... We've already got into why that's happened, and yeah, it's not necessarily in our control. But like getting promoted and being, we're not just talking about being weaker here. Like you're talking about your best three players, arguably, yeah. have left. Yeah, we're not we're not just weaker because of Njai. We're weaker because of Doyle. We're weaker because of Matty. Them three players without without we wouldn't have gone up. You're talking about pre- getting on for half of your goals have gone. Give it well, not half, but a good chunky goals in McAtee and Njai from last season. Um, in a side that we don't tend to blow people away, you know, on the reg, so we're not like free scoring. I don't know, I, I just feel a little bit frustrated. And to I didn't say much at the start, and it isn't a pile on or anything, but the whole this whole sort of fascination as a fan base we have, where and we had this with Jim Phipps, and we had this with Mark McNulty's dad. Anyone who seems to have a, like, a, like a little bit of an inside knowledge on the club, they're like fart and everyone gathers around to smell it. And it's sort of, we just, I don't know, it just, I find it really irritating. And I think the communication thing, it's more, maybe it's a frustration of like modern football and football Twitter, actually, rather than just the way United um, are being run at the moment. But it's just like, it's quite exhausting as a fan that, like, every day at this time of year, like, the WhatsApp group's going all day, will he, won't he, will he, won't we, are in for this, that. And, like, I don't know, it's it's gone too far. It's not exciting. I, I do find it quite exhausting to keep up with. I found I it quite funny last night with uh, Heckingbottom's interview. He was asked about Tanzabe. And, yeah, we had messages going around in the WhatsApp group yesterday when that link was announced. And he was asked about it and he directly said he hasn't been for a medical. I know about him because why wouldn't I know about all these free players, players that are on a, on a free transfer? The, the problem is social media just uh, highlights these things even more and people take it as fact. And then when it doesn't happen, they get pissed off because something that they thought was a fact hasn't happened. Yeah. And it, it just, it, it blows my mind sometimes that people get so hurt up about something that's never even been actually true. But this is where this is where the social media and the way the club are drip feeding and communicating comes into play. Because clearly some idea of targets has been given to Darren or to, to some people, about, yeah. to some people. So therefore when they tweet about that or comment on it, that builds that momentum and feel from people that oh that's a positive sign we're going to get them. Or does a five-step tweet about 
information about a particular yeah. player that's it, clearly copy and pasted from Wikipedia. But anyway, well, that, yeah. but, that, but 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 that, that just... people choose to like give that it like it's I I don't know we if you're going to use people as a mouthpiece, don't mug them off by like giving them the wrong information then or or sign a player and announce it on the club Twitter and then we can all like get excited about it that way and you know maybe, maybe it's an age thing we're, we're we're all we're not all the same age but we're all of a generation where we remember we'd get the green in on a Saturday find out information <laughs> we'd remember teletext where we'd see <laughs> stuff do you, do you know what i mean and that, yeah, that yeah. was our way of getting information and now we get stuff that we see on on social media and all of a sudden it's taken as facts and when you've got people backing it up that we know have got a right arm in the club yeah that's credibility i, I just I, I don't think it's fair on them people I, I, and that's kind of something that i haven't really realized that's how i felt until today and do you know it's not fair on bloody manager none of yeah. this is fair on the manager and listen a man who a man with less character than Eckingbottom and and class and professionalism would have walked this summer I'm convinced of it I mean he's had a fair bit to deal with over the last well since so I think did, you, basically you would have, having your bet losing your best player whatever whatever means is that that occurred, right? That happens when you get promoted to the Premier League. By, unless it, unless it's like squad building, changing money, you know? Which, then... which 13 million, I mean, even if Danny Hall's tweet's right and it's it's significant and it's 20 million, it's not, it's not significant. Like you say, you, you can, you know, you might get, Four squad players for that at five million quid a piece. That you know, that's that that's not you know, if you're getting fifty million for him, that's a different story. Of but course. For what we're gonna get for him, you can't do anything. You you well, you're back to what we're having to do with all our transfers and and, and roll the dice and take a punt. And and even with Njai, we needed all our all these low cost transfers, we we pretty much needed them all to pan out and work and contribute next season. That's we need that even more now. And with obviously whoever else we're going to bring in to replace Njai and to to kind of bolster the rest of the squad. You know, when we came up under Wilder, the, the new the new signings, with the exception of Moussa getting a couple of goals, um, the new signings didn't actually contribute a great deal to us doing as well as we did. This season we're going to need to because I think the, what the squad we've got at the minute, I just don't see anything other than dead last next season. It, sa it says a, it says a lot that so far this summer, if the rumored transfer fees are to be believed, we've spent less than what we paid on Callum Robinson. Mm. Yeah. Just just going back to your point about the way we get information. Say the only the, the one thing that's just crossed my mind is reading Alan Nixon's tweets and his links to his patrons, like having club call coming up on teletext <laughs> and teasing you in to pay for... I, do, I wonder if you click on his Patreon, you get a load of ads first. Hey, listen, keep hanging on listen. For a bit. As, a, as, a, as a kid that was in my early teens, brought up 200 miles away from Sheffield, my stepdad ended up putting a block on my phone because of me phoning club call <laughs> after seeing stuff like that. <laughs> Fantastic. Club call. Are you, um, it's like, Phil, what season? 0898 numbers. Um, <laughs> have a club call. All right, right, fine. That's fine. There was a bit. Where's all hand cream gone? <laughs> we've done well there. It's took half an hour. We're in the gutter, and that's where we belong. Um, and what, what yeah. I will say, sorry, sorry to cut across you there, John. What well, we're talking about is, being it... in the gutter, don't worry. <laughs> In terms of the signings so far, from what I've seen, and it's limited, it does look like we've picked up a bargain with Slamani. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the bits and bobs. Is, I hope that I hope they're all world beaters. Won't have them in January, but um, yeah, well, two of them. <laughs> but like, no, I, I think I, I'm happy to sign these sort of players. I really am. I think it's great, but I also think we should sign two or three really experienced Premier League players for the dressing room who can 
remove any anxiety and add some, not even just experience at the top level, just not being phased by the situation. I think it's, I think it's vital. If you'd not had such a bad season with injuries, even get like someone like Kieran Clark on a free because he knows the club and he's he's been there and played so many games at that level. I just think, I think we're just missing that massively. I think we've been linked with the the lad from France. Is he Georgian Bosnian striker? Oh, the guy at Mets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, great. Again, it's, I, it's... It's exciting, but I'm not saying when I say experienced, I'm not talking about we should have rivaled like Brighton for Milner or like Oxlade Chamberlain. I should have had a list up. Like an example would be like Tom Davis, who was at Everton. I, I still think if we've got money, to, if we've got a bit of money to spend now, I know he's on a free, but obviously wages, I still think he would be a very good signing for us. I know a lot of people don't like him. I still think he would, he would have been up near the top of my list at the beginning of the season. You know, you've just mentioned Brighton, Dan. Uh, sorry, John. Um, what did Brighton sell the Argentinian to Liverpool for? How much? Not a lot of money. It was it. Mac Alistair was like got obviously inside track in this house, but about I think it was it ended up being about twenty five mil with add-ons. So I wonder whether Brighton fans are having similar kind of grumbles to what we're having now. But they've very they won a World Cup last year. But they've they possibly also... are, but it goes back to you know when we said before about the club having a clear plan, a clear structure, long term, long term yeah. vision. Brighton are at the minute, Brighton are the absolute epitome of a club that has a long term plan and has a as a cohesive structure on how they want to function. They sell one, next cab off the rank. They sell and one, and they also, and they also got Caicedo to sign a contract. So that he, they're now saying to Chelsea, 80 million is not enough. The other side of that, though, is they've got a shitload of debt and it's all owed into Bloom and others. But I guess, you know, I'll play devil's advocate. I'm, I'm criticizing the club for the money side of things. But, you know, Brighton, Brighton have, Brighton are not, they're good in some senses, but you could argue they're not in others. But I suppose it's well, not money they owe to the bank, I don't think. Brentford are, Brentford are the same because all yeah. the money comes from, like gambling, doesn't it? And that, anyway, that's we're here to just whinge about United, not talk about how great anyone else. Is. <laughs> I'm just trying to put some context in it. That's no, I, I 100% think that's a really good point, Phil. Um, but also, you know, Brighton are in Europe, and the squad is littered with talent. It, I think if you asked a Brighton fan, the one that they wouldn't want to lose is Matoma, and I don't think he's going anywhere. So. I don't know any Brighton fans, so I can't ask them. But anyway, I digress. It it just feels to me like ultimately we're going into the biggest and listening to the Blades pod, 10 things to be excited about. And I agreed with everything they say and, and, and they're both right that we're going into the biggest league in the world and we should be excited 100%. But I'm not. And I don't think many people are compared to last time maybe that's a recency oh, thing but i was i was until today mm, well, i was getting look, there but that's because i've not been to a match for a few months because i refused to go to friendlies because it just destroys well, my brain let's look at it another way going into this i looked at the first couple of games and i thought what well, we said this i think on the last pod what a great chance to get some points on the board before we play city and you know like we said last time getting the the win against palace last time and the point at bournemouth was really important and today's put a different slant on that because we've currently got Asula as the only fit and available striker two weeks out. I know things can change. And obviously Traore hopefully will be across. But we've got Osborne playing in midfield in a pre-season friendly. It scares me. I'll, don't get me wrong. Good lad, tries hard, but he's a squad player. Um, And yet... So in a way, we're now rebuilding, trying to bring players in the next couple of weeks when we've got two games at the start of the season that gets points on the board, potentially. And yeah. I feel less confident about that as of today now. Although I have had a Palace fan tweet me tonight and say, you nailed on for three points first game of the season. So I, I still think as, we're beat. obviously as chipper as we are at minute. I think we beat Palace. Just... But that's the funny thing about football, isn't it? We could We could quite, even with what we've got, 
with the crowd behind it and Palace haven't got a lot of, a lot going for them at the minute. They've got a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. We could quite easily beat Palace and everything will feel a lot rosier. Yeah, we just have it, to, we don't have to it, shit it, out it over a lot. I think I think I think we've had a we've had a perfect storm in terms of planning a pod tonight and then this happening. <laughs> Well, it's good though, in a way. It's good to, I feel already better. So, cathartic. Mm. Well, we've got a minute left, um, and we're going to come back and we're going to put probably only two people in the World Cup squad, but an avid fan of the pod and listener has asked us to debate something. So, when we come back after the break, we're going to debate Jebison for probably, I reckon it'll go on quite a while because. Well, we'll find out when we come back. Shoot. Right, so welcome back to part two, everyone. Um, And we've been asked to debate one of the few strikers we have left, one of the few strikers we have left at the club uh, by friend of the pod, Ege. So obviously there was a a question last week, I think, about Daniel Jebison potentially being sold to uh, Everton and no other few other clubs have, have kind of been in for him. And a lot of people, there was a big kind of split in the fan base. Some said, yeah, flog him, he's never going to do it. And some said, no, keep him because we've had our fingers burnt on this. And myself and Phil kind of disagreed on this a bit. So Eggy asked us to, basically, he, he tweeted and said, can you debate Jebison on your next pod, please? I'm genuinely interested to hear your individual opinions on him and what we should do with him. He definitely bad's opinion, and I think it would be be a good talking point, even if there is disagreement. So, Phil, do you want to go pro or con, depending on which way you look at it? <laughs> so, I'm I'm not I'm not sure we I'm not sure we actually disagreed. There's a there's clearly a player in there in Jefferson. Clearly, that much, and the fact that so many clubs apparently are interested in him make, makes adds weight to that sort of argument. My my kind of view on it is the two that we've got, Asula and Jebison. Asula, to me, looks a far, far better prospect. He looks to have got more to his game now, as a kid, than what Jebison does. Jebison's been in and around the first team for, what, three years now? Scored his first goal in the relegation. Yeah. When we beat Everton with Renderside. I'm not sure I've seen any real progression other than that second half cameo against Swansea, was it? Who, who was it back end of last season when he set a couple of goals up? I think it was other, well, Swansea, wasn't it, I think? I'm not I'm not sure. It might have been, but I'm not sure I've seen any real progression. Was it Preston? Was it Preston? Oh, it was Preston, yeah. Preston, it was. Sorry, it was, yeah. it was. So, I, it, I guess it, it all depends on money, what kind of Finances we're talking about. He's 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 out of contract next season. Surprisingly, because all of our players appear to be. <laughs> Is it the right thing to do to let him go now? I don't know. If we get a bid, I'm more excited about Asula than I am Jebison. I think that's probably where I'm where I'm coming from. I think Asula's probably from what I've seen of him, he looks more eye catching. If that's the right word, so Jebison looks. Jefferson looks he looks quite you know strong and pacey. Like I said, that that kind of second half against Preston was was a um, this is probably a bit a, a little bit of hyperbole, but a little like a bit of a Brian Dean kind of performance where he he kind of ragged he ran centre half ragged. He was running channels. He was muscling people off the ball. He was setting things up. Um, Asula looks a bit more. A bit, maybe a bit closer to NJ rather than than Dean. He's you know he's got seems to have fast feet and that kind of slaloming run. Um, I think we're probably lucky to have two good youngsters at the club at the same time. Neither of them are ready for first team football at this level. And I think I think Jebison suffered from obviously last season. Was it last season when he was at Burton? Season, season before, before, I think. Before, season before, where he'd gone to Burton, done well, got himself. What did he get? A dozen goals by halfway or something like that? Something like that, yeah. And then obviously because we had injuries, the ideal situation would be leave him there, let him have another half season there, get 20-odd goals. But we dragged him back because we had injuries and he actually hardly ever ended up playing second half of the season. So he just stagnated. And then last season, 
got sent off in the cup and he was in and out and did okay in a couple of games, scored in... Did he score in FA Cup? Did he score... Scored at Millwall. Scored at Millwall, scored at Millwall yeah. Scored at Millwall, didn't he? Um, and then again, he was in and out. And I think he's... And then he's had some injuries. So I think he has suffered. He's he's kind of been very stop-start. I'm, I'm, I don't... Personally, I think, I think if we sell him, I think he's possibly one that will come back and back. If we sell him for next to nothing, and by next to nothing, I mean three, four, five million quid, because... That is next to nothing. That'll basically just keep the that'll just keep the lights on at the club for a few months. It won't have any impact on transfer budget and stuff like that. He's one that we could look back at. We could be looking at him four or five years and thinking, "Shit, we dropped a we dropped a clanger there." Myself again, talking long term plan. I would be trying to get him tied down to a contract now, rather than again risk Dortmund, Everton, Liverpool, Bayern Munich, whoever these clubs are that are interested in him, taking him off us. For, for next to nothing at the end of the season. This would be it be, would be one that I would definitely be looking to tie down to a contract. Yeah. Um I don't think he can finish, which is a real issue when you're a striker. But he has parts of his game that you can't really coach. Whereas finishing, positioning, expect and also we we're judging him when he's never had a he no stats to back this up. But I'm confident he's probably never played more than three games in a row for United without them being dropped. Yeah. Um, so right I think that. it's really hard to give a fair analysis of how good he is from watching him for us on that. Um and he's 19. In fact, he's 19. So I think him and Asula might I think it depends how we use these two Premier League loans. But well, if, if both stay, they do what we get with those two is we get an outlet. The only problem is Asula looks like he's got the same sort of issue as Jebison. And he, I think he's he probably his shots have been a bit closer to the target. He, you know, he's been in and around pre-season, done well. You'd expect the opposition we've had, think back to that Chesterfield game, should be bagging one or two in that um, with the chances he had. It's a tough one because he, like I say, he can't finish. But you can coach that. You can't coach like, like physical physicality and sort of like direct, like pace and. But you you um, look how much you look how much Njai's finishing came on over over the course of a season. That first season he broke in, he looked a good player, but he missed he missed some good chances. He missed some one on ones, and then suddenly last season he's finishing. Kicked on to that next level. And any level of football. Look at McBurney. Even the even the, the goal. Even the goal yesterday, Slamani's goal. Ninety-nine times out of hundred, you'd expect your striker to be scoring that. What Njai didn't. Once he's gone round the keeper, yeah. 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 If that had been Asula, despite the fact Slamani scored, people would have been calling that out as Asula's poor finishing again. Yeah. My view is I would keep them both because I think I heard I heard um, Blades Ramble. I was listening to Jimmy at Blades Ramble on something recently, and he made a really interesting point. It would be really good to get them both out on loan to the same club, a form of partnership. Let, yeah, let them work together and build a partnership. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd keep them because I actually I don't see what the point is in cashing in now on either of them for the amount of money you'd get and what you'd be able to do with it, you know, realistically. What bloody journeyman strike we'd conjure up if we both went, Jesus. Well, that's it. If you think about it a minute, we've got those two, Traore, when he sorts his passport out, his visa out, and McBurney. And then you're looking at, you you know, the proper youth players like Louis Marsh, who should be going out on loan. So for, uh, the, the for thing, now, the reason, sorry, and go on. I was say for now, pending who else we have on our targets, they stay. But I agree, if you strengthen, then you send them out on loan. But you look to put them into championship, and it might yeah. be a team like Rotherham who are coming. You know, or, or, well, they've retained their place in the championship. You know, a team that Ipswich, a team that's progressing, they may not be interested, they may not need them. But you know, you look to put them into somewhere like there. But I would only do that. If we've bought other players, for me, 
I think raw pace, you can, because you don't like about the finishing, but raw pace in any leagues causes defenders' issues. Raw, raw and pace both got and it. power, which Jefferson yeah. seems to have, you know, a bit of power about him. That, yeah. will, so that will cause problems at any And level. I think that's good enough for us to have on the bench if we need it. It's not what I want. Don't get me wrong. I'd rather us be here with a, you know, a more, I'm going to say a more accomplished, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to either of them. But going into the Premier League, you, you want to feel you've got players who know what it's like. I mean, signing Premier League strikers millions, but, you know, you want players who, who, who've got a good record of scoring goals. They both like think, that at the minute. I actually think with hindsight, Jebison scoring that goal against Everton was actually the worst thing that could have happened for him. Because yeah. he instantly now comes with a... Everyone goes, well, he scored against Everton. He, instantly he was like, oh, Jebison scored against Everton. This is it. We've got this young lad. He's scoring in Premier League. He's going to score in Championship. And it just... He, he scored a tapping. You know, right place, right time. Yeah. He scored a tapping in his first game. Great. But it suddenly puts a spotlight on him, an extra pressure on him that it probably wouldn't have had had he not, had he not played that season or not scored that goal. And with hindsight, he may, he, you know, he may, he may think if I could go back in time, I wouldn't have scored that and just gone under the radar for another couple of seasons. But people always hark back now to that, that goal he scored when he was, was he 17 when he scored that? Yeah, 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Premier League record, isn't it? Yeah. The yeah, only... debutant goal scorer. The only sort of... The only thing I think means that he goes is if someone's stupid enough to give us like 10 million plus for him because we can't turn that down. He's got 12 months left. It's not happening. Well, yeah. have, we, do we, have we got an option on another year on his contract? Part of the reason for this debate and the fact that it is quite emotive is we perceived probably rightly to have let Calvert Lowen go too cheap. No, but we didn't. At the time, we didn't because the he time we didn't, didn't yeah. do it. He didn't but, do it for us. Yeah. But what he's gone on to become. But I've, I've no issue with that. Was we couldn't have imagined that at the time. No, exactly. Nor did I, and I still don't. In fairness, because he was fifth or sixth choice. Yeah. Well, I, I've no issue with that at all. I think what we got for Calvert Lewin at the time was value for someone who hadn't broken through in a League One team properly. Um, so I, in a way, I've got, yeah, uh, you know, and I look at what we got for Jordan Slew, and it was a bargain. And with, with you know, Calvert Lewin, with Calvert Lewin, because of the market we were shopping in, that then allowed us to not just bring players in, but bring genuine first team players in. Whereas now, if you sell, if you if we sell Jebison for five million quid, seven million quid, whatever it would be, again, it's not, it's it's not. You can't rebuild a squad on that. You could, you could barely bring a first team player in for that amount of money. So it's not like before where you had that trade off of right, we'll lose our fifth choice striker, but we can bring in a new centre half, a midfielder, or whatever it was. We bring O'Connell. We bring O'Connell on the back of O'Connell, Duffy, Fleck, Simon Moore. Yeah. So basically, the the, the spine of <laughs> the that side that took us up. up. Yeah. yeah. If, if you're selling Jebison now, you're selling him for jam tomorrow. Yeah, in you the are hope, selling, in the yeah. hope in the hope that he develops and you you kind of you sell him with sell on yeah, clause kicks yeah, you're in. selling with a shitload of like further further um further clauses aren't you like you yeah. know like sell on clauses and caps and goals and stuff like that yes I, I think going going back to the original question this all stems from Eggy's tweet that I commented on and it kind of grew from there. Off against Preston. I'm yet, I'm yet to see anything. What the fuss is about? Who's me and Eggy wrong and becomes a player that is worth keeping. But from potential that I've seen with my own eyes, as Deb Bat says on the <coughs> club, Asula looks a better prospect. Hmm. So if we got so let's say we got an offer tomorrow, the same value for we got we got an offer from two clubs, <coughs> same money for Jebison and for Asula, same deal, everything. Would you rather you'd rather sell you'd sell Jebison rather than Asula? If it came down to you know two different clubs offering you six, seven million quid for each one, you'd take the Jebison money rather than the Asula money. From what I've seen of them two players, yes. Right, okay. John? I 
I I think we probably should persevere with Jebison, and I think we will because I think Hecky likes him a lot. Aaron, Dan, I, I agree. I, I think we should persevere with him. I think there's there's a, like I said, there's a lot of noise around when when the there was when the tweet came out last week that they were going to sell him. There were people saying, "Yeah, question." He, he, he looks fed up. <laughs> Which when one he's selling? <laughs> what? That wasn't the question. Which one are you selling? Oh, I'd sell. I'd sell the Sula. Okay. Sorry, I was uh, too political then, wasn't I? Yeah, a little bit. Thank you for calling me out. This is what happens when you actually question somebody when they give you guff, <laughs> uh, and you, you force them into a corner to give you an answer. You get one. So, Prince, come and let Phil ask you a question or two. <laughs> He won't fucking dare, would he? The bottlers get anyway. For what it's worth, I would probably sell Jebison if only because we haven't tied him down. And I think Asula's got longer left on his contract. So there's a potential for getting a bit more out of Asula. But that doesn't mean, but that's not on playing ability. That's just on our, going back to part one, our contract management of talent. Personally, new accountant in town. I would probably sell a Sula and again, just comparing like for like. Jefferson went to a League One club, established himself in their first team and scored goals. A Sula went to a League One club, didn't establish himself in the first team and came back. I know obviously they both came back for the same same sort of reason. Ideal world, I wouldn't sell either. I think there's there's players, I think they're both potentially good players and will be worth a lot more than we'd get from now and could impact our first team for, you know, several years to come if we, if we can hang on to them. So on, that point, on that point, I fully agree. Yeah. So that unless, was... unless we've got this, you know, unless we are just selling off the family silver. Could I, could I just add, wrap this up with what I've just had a tweet from Lee, Lee Doan, who listens to the pod, but he was just commenting on, and it applies to exactly to what we're saying here, but also to part one. He just said, I wish we could, just once, not be the Harold Steptoe. See, we're playing to our demographic of our audience here with that. <laughs> Harold Steptoe of English football, always dreaming of better things, but ending up inevitably on our arse, stinking of horseshit. Yeah, well, and toilets on the cock. If you can get past everyone trying to do lines of fucking coke, they do smell like horseshit. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's been good. I guess uh, it's not. It is. It is. It is good to have two talented strikers um, on the books. Let's see what happens. It's a, it'd be less of a debate if we weren't going into the hardest league in the world uh, in in a few in less than two weeks. Anyway, um, we are still working on last season's special feature of the World Cup squad. So we've got. <laughs> Two, uh, we've got two editions tonight, and then we need to do another podcast to finish it off and maybe talk about transfers and stuff because I think all of us are going on holiday in the next couple of weeks, but we'll work it out anyway. So, uh, Phil, I think you better introduce the left back that's joining Ender. Friend of okay. yours? Yeah, yeah. I, so, a friend of the pod, we should add. We we uh, we had him on for a reasonably good chat during COVID times, and he he was really interesting to talk to, and he had an amazing one to eleven as well. Wayne Quinn. Yeah, I think we're fairly unanimous in that, weren't we? Possibly one of the most gifted left foots we've ever had. Yeah, thing is, with as well in terms of a position. Well, we've had some absolute dross in there, haven't we? Let's 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 be right. No, we can't decry him because the rest of us being dropped. Though. No, <laughs> no, no. But like, I think that is collectively the uh, the 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 weakest area. In I Chester would say at left back, whereas right back we've had we've had some real, real ridiculous talent in like your Baldock, Norton, Walker, Babakis, even like Lowton, even Gage. Well, Bogle, Bogle's an incredible footballer. Have tended to be more Marcus Williams, Matt Hill. Tended to be more cult hero status. So I'm thinking like Dave Barnes, Martin Pike, Roger Nielsen, cult hero rather than like top talent. 
those and those right backs tended to progress better at the field. I mean, Gage went from a right full back to a right wing. <laughs> Badum Tish. Um, anyway, um, so well, I, I've actually got an argument to not put Quinny in. As much as he's someone I, I kind of class as a mate, I've known him for a long time. We're stuck to a formation here with our World Cup squad. We've just got left wing backs. Left back. Died in the wall left back. Died in the wall left back. Left back. Gary Naismith's probably the best I've ever seen for United. And I, I think there's a really strong claim to have him in this squad. However, you can't overlook Quinny. You can't. He was just brilliant. If, if we're talking left backs, I, I mean, again, I'm going to show me AJ, but I, I always thought for what we paid for him, I always thought Dave Barnes was quality. I thought he was a really underrated left back. And nuts, apparently. And apparently yeah. as mad as a box of yeah. yeah. Lord of the dance. Yeah. Um, toilet rolling in his arse, dancing around a restaurant on London Road. On, with Nick the in a bus. Fire. That was part <laughs> of Glyn Hodges' pod. Yeah. Nick in a bus when they were up in Scotland. I mean, but yeah, you're right, Phil. If we are sticking to, to kind of the standard United formation... Three at the back, left wing backs, right wing backs. Then, yeah, I think there's, I don't think there's anyone even close other than uh, other than Ender Stevens who we've already got in, is there? But no, he, was I don't think so. he, he was revelatory, wasn't he, when he came through for us? Mm. Because I don't remember. I, don't, I could be wrong, but I don't recall seeing a big build up like we used to get with young players coming through. There wasn't that kind. I of... I remember hearing about him in the in the youth teams and in reserve team football, but again, not in a kind of you know, wow, this lad's going to be a superstar kind of thing. Just, you know, you know, you tease name and in kind of lineups and stuff like that, but there was never any, I don't remember any massive hype about him. It was, he just it was, came out of nowhere, didn't he? And he played in the pre-season friendly at home against Blackburn that summer before the season started, because that's when friendlies are played. When else would it be played, John? And he, he stood out to me that day and I was quite young at the time. And then obviously he was, Part of that amazing Spikeman side with Vass on the other side, like McGrath, Marker, turned Mark Patterson into an actual technically pretty proficient midfielder. And they would said Dean and Fjord off up front. Like, not a bad side to come in, come into for him there. And like, yeah. Um I think that's what he said when we spoke to him, wasn't it? He said to come into a side with that quality of players just lifted him mm. as a young player. And yeah, I mean, I think it. I think he was the, he was talking about how he wasn't nervous making his debut because he just he had like he had a fair bit of belief in his own ability, but he, had, he knew he had that much quality around him, and obviously spoke really highly of Dame Whitehouse because obviously Whitehouse played quite central by that point yeah. and would have been doing the uh, um... <laughs> Bill's just showing me an image. It's not what not off one of his dodgy phone numbers either, but yeah, <laughs> absolutely brilliant and scored that penalty that sent us to Old Trafford against Newcastle in one of the greatest like under the lights games at the Coventry. Lane. Yeah, so phenomenal, phenomenal player. Um, I think by his own admission, probably could have done a bit more. But what I found so refreshing when we spoke to him was he was just comfortable with what he'd achieved in football and he was he it wasn't sort of like he didn't have access to grind really uh probably knew he went out too much um but he went out anyway and he enjoyed it so you know and had some bad luck yeah and, and people get injured and you know the human body isn't it like it, it gets it breaks down doesn't it when you have these serious injuries and you sometimes aren't the player you once were there, there was a genuine chance that guy was going to World Cup 98. Yeah. Yeah. In a day where England was screaming out for actual proper left-footers. Yep. I mean, if, if you had an England cap in those days, unless you played for Sheffield United, as in Dame Hattos and Wayne Quinn, you were almost guaranteed a, an England cap, weren't you? Yeah. Just, I mean, it was, it was scary when it was like you say, we are coming back to that same conversation we had about to say we white out. You know, Play for any other club, playing in the way they were, they would be in the England would have been in the England squad, and and Quinn would have fitted quite well. well I'm trying to think, was Hoddle still playing? Because obviously coming out of the the 
Venable side, he would have slotted in there fantastically, albeit Pierce was in there. But he had Lasso playing left back, didn't he? Yeah. Model. Yeah. But there wasn't a lot behind him. I think I seem to yeah. remember Steve McManaman playing left back in one game because he had to. Yeah. So th- there was definitely an opportunity for him. And the fact he got to an England B side, he played in that game when Letitia scored a hat-trick, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, his, his potential at one point was huge. And I think he'll admit, when you talk to him, he'll admit himself that he, he probably didn't fulfil that early potential, which goes back to the conversation we were having earlier, actually, about Jebison and, and Asula and, and when when is the right time to cash in on these players. But... Let's be fair, he played a lot of games in the Premier League and he, he had some pretty big moves and lived a hell of a life considering he's just a kid from a small town in Cornwall. Yeah, I found it mental as well, the idea that like he just got his parents put him on a train to Sheffield yeah. when he was like 15 or whatever it was. <laughs> like Unheard of now. I mean, there's a reason we have safeguarding procedures with young people these days. But yeah... Um, <laughs> Like phenomenal, like left foot, as we said, and like you know, some of our like the best sides to watch that we've had in the my time watching United have been played when we played with wing backs, and yeah, I mean, my, my, my abiding memory of that side, that Spackman side with Baboki on one wing and Quinn on the other. They'd play 60, 70 yard diagonals to each other. Yeah. As if they were passing it across the back four. Yeah. Across across the 18 yard box. And they'd find each other at ease regularly during a game. And I don't think I've seen that since or or before that. Two no, players he's, doing that. He's, he's deb- he made his debut against Sunderland, didn't he? In that, in that yeah. first game. That that's the sort of debut that without everything else that went off, we'd have been talking about that. So obviously you had you had Babakis's debut, which was spectacular. You had Dino's return. So those two things tend to kind of dominate that game. If you take that out of that, we'd have been saying, "Jesus Christ, this young lad with this young lad to come out of his come out of youth team, what a debut that is!" And that yeah. that how good his debut was tends to get lost because it was like I said, Dino's return, Babakis suddenly turned up out of nowhere and turned out to be absolutely outstanding. You know, he, he probably gets uh, he probably gets a bit of short shrift on how good his debut was, but never actually gets gets mentioned that much. Yeah, worthy worthy addition to the squad, I reckon. Absolutely. Where are we going after? Where are we going after Quinny? We're going we the other side. The other side of the other side of the defence. Oh, okay. Who's introducing that then? I think Quinny. I, I'm happy to introduce it. I think John's looking at like something's going off at home, so I'll just stay. It looked a bit unsure for a minute. So I guess we're, we're bringing it a bit more up to date again. And and I think right back's a really interesting position because you've alluded to it earlier, Phil. You know, we had we had debates about whether certainly Kyle Walker played enough for United to really be thought of on here. Because although he was a permanent player and came back on loan, we've included other loan players. But I think, and, and Norton, was great for the period of with us. But actually, there's a player still with us today. Scored yesterday at Derby. Started, nearly started off another fight again yesterday at Derby, I think, with a bit of uh, controlled aggression. In fact, I was going through some photos of last season I took. I found one of Baldock after we celebrated after the penultimate game of the season when we sealed promotion against West Brom, just running up to John Street, looking like he's trying to start a fight with John Street. Um, it was joyous but it, was, it just looked like he wanted to fight. Um, and he's an international player, you know. So I think, you know, he's, he's shown not just at the highest level, but he's come come through with us and will be a key part of our team next season, George Baldock. He's just fucking brilliant. I, like, he's... Like, some of my favourite Baldock highlights. I remember last season when Kadra scored at Swansea in the last minute. Now, if you watch the reaction, all the players run over to Kadra and Brewster, who set the goal up. Jeez, he was on the pitch at one point last season. Um, Baldock instead shoots off to go and give it to give it give it the big in to all the Swansea fans down the right outside of the pitch. You'd obviously given him some jip earlier in the game. It were a Swansea fan refused to throw the ball back to him, weren't it? Yeah. Ah, yeah. 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 
So like that, the goal at Norwich, the like sort of Cruyff turny thing he did, where I genuinely don't believe he knew what he was doing and just got lucky and then twatted it in the corner. Obviously scored the goal of the season, nearly broke the net. And every time he does score, he I don't think he knows what he said by himself. He doesn't know what he's doing, does he? he just like runs because he he's not used to it. He doesn't know what to do. And, like charge into the dugout, not to like go and like pick out a mate or something, just because he wants to run. Like brilliant. Um, the fact that I saw somebody on Facebook today was selling topless photos of Baldock for the ladies. Jesus Christ, what have we? I mean, he is a handsome man. You can't. Oh yeah, he's not getting away from it, is there? He, he is a handsome man. But but to but to take a club photo, stick a grey background on it, and try and sell it for six, seven quid, or two for twelve. <laughs> well, <laughs> I got to, I've got to admire the entrepreneurial shit. That's one way of putting it. I'll tell you one thing. I'm sure, I'm sure this is not the prince trying to drum up some more transfer funds. <laughs> Tommy Smith is actually Prince Abdullah. He went, oh, let's pick a very English name so no yeah. one will guess it's me. Tommy Smith. There we go. Well, Jim, what's Jim Phipps up to these days? Um, <laughs> but yeah, Baldock's brilliant. And obviously, he. I'm not sure without him we'd have gone up this year. No. When he came back into the side, when yeah. uh, Bogle had had a run and got injured and. Baldock came back from his injury. That aggression and that will to win, I think... Bogle had a stinker as well. Bogle had four or five stinkers on the trot when when Baldock came back in. There was suddenly a a notable, almost tangible kind of uptick in in everything, in in kind of tempo, in attitude, in the whole whole thing. Well, you you might not, apart from like the odd player, you might not think it either listening to the podcast. When we're in the pub and that, we don't tend to ever like really get on a player's back, but we were all of the opinion like Bogle's doing me fucking head in, he's anonymous, or we're watching the game saying, what's he doing? To, what's what, what's he had to drink last night? Sort of thing. And obviously Bogle's very talented and he'll have a role to play this year because we're going to need people who've got a bit of something from nothing. It might actually be in a different position to to write back because Baldock has to play there. And like he probably set the tone against Spurs when he he, he spooked Perisic, didn't he? I mean he probably yeah. should have been sent off. Yeah. But but he, he spooked Perisic, he was like won everything, played at Inter and stuff like that. You know, you're at Bramble Lane, mate, you don't get away with being a dickhead here, bang, like Amazing, and we need, we need uh, plenty of that this season. I, I'm going to make a bold statement, by the way. Baldock starts in this World Cup, World Cup team. 100%. I think he's out. I think he's possibly in our era the best right back we've ever had. I, I was I just about to say than... the same thing. You know, you can, Carl Walker's obviously in the in the frame, but he'd not play, he's not played enough games for us to be classed as the greatest Sheffield United left back. He might be the greatest player ever to come out of the youth team at Sheffield United. But yeah, I think you're right. I think. Yeah, it's it's a there's not been many more that you could you could put in that argument, and I think you're right. I think Ball possibly is our, our greatest ever uh, greatest ever right back. Two, not many, two, not many clubs. Like said, could... people, there'll be people who, who are older than us that will say Badger and Badger and like yeah, stuff like that. But well, not not many clubs could name a squad of the best players of the last 30, 40 years and have two Greek international right backs. In it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's. I mean, the photo of Baldock and Vass was quite interesting. Vass has had like a long few, long few years on the earth more than Baldock. I always thought Vass was the, our equivalent of one of those African footballers who's got a, a fake passport. I'm sure he was always <laughs> older than what he claimed to be. Baldock's a beautiful man, like we've just talked about. Babakis, on the other hand, was a very good footballer. <laughs> and, and that yeah George is a good footballer as well though I mean he's I think obviously I'm not going to sit here and revise history his distribution at times has been appalling and his decision making in the final third but the other parts of his game more than make up for it defensively yeah and ultimately we're going to need defenders this year and thankfully we've got quite a few good ones so um yeah, Baldock definitely is worthy of his place. So we're 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 filling up this squad. I think the defense, the fullback areas are sorted. The keepers sorted. Uh, we've got space for another centre back. 
because uh, we've got Basham, O'Connell and Jagielka and Egan. Maybe space for one, who knows? Four might be enough. I mean, there's every chance by the time we do another one of these that the Prince will assault some of this World's, World Cup squad off. So we might have to replace <laughs> some of them in the meantime. We can't compete. Prince has, Prince has flogged Brian Dean from World Cup squad, so we've got to... Uh, we're not allowed to compete because of it's, it's still, irregularity, but there's nothing we could do, do about it. So he, he, sold, he sold Brian Dean from SUTV to LUTV on a free transfer. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I, I love Dean now, but the welcome to him, Jesus yeah. Christ. Well, yeah, it was a uh, game. Yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay, Brian, thank you. No problem. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Anyway, um, we've got less than a minute. Um, losing your best player is never fun. In fact, it's absolutely terrible. But, you know, we're going to keep doing podcasts and we're going to certainly keep supporting United because that's what we do, isn't it? So, without further ado, up the blades. Up the blades. Up the blades. Up the blades. <laughs>